Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Game of Thrones and a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. Man, there was a bear bear, all black and brown and covered in hair. Hello, everyone. I'm Kama, and you can find me at the-real-comma-splice on Tumblr. And tonight, I'm joined by Lot. Hi, I'm Lot, Lady of Tarth-Posts. Go hyphens! <laughs> on, on Tumblr, right? Oh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and Guile? Hi, I'm Guile, and I tweet at Door Podcast. And our two special guests, Rachel... Hi, I'm Rachel, and I am Rope Dart Raptor on Tumblr. And Crystal Rose. Hey, I'm Crystal, and you can find me uh, as Crystal Rose 29 on Twitter when I actually tweet, which I don't really, but I have a Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. You just followed us today, Crystal. Or you I just did. followed me. You can't can't pretend anymore. <laughs> don't be a tease. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> So um, we're taking, uh, if, you, if you haven't been listening, and if you haven't, well, shame on you. But um, <laughs> we're taking a break from Tyrion's chapters, and we've been doing uh, sort of a little mini season of our favorite um, non-Jamie and Brienne chapters. Um, and tonight we're going to be covering Sansa 7 uh, from A Storm of Swords. Uh, and as always, trigger warning for potential discussion of rape and violence. And... Um, at this point, I don't really know what we could be spoiling, but um, we spoil everything, books and show. Get out now. <laughs> um, so this is like, I, I think this was my favorite of the the non-JB chapters. Um, and it's, it's, uh, the, it's not just Sansa's last chapter in A Storm of Swords, but it's also the last chapter in the book. Um, and then it's followed by the epilogue and the Stoneheart reveal. Um, is it actually so Sansa's? Is it Sansa's last chapter? Like when she, when when we see her in Feast, is she Elaine? So is this no, the last one she, headed with Sansa? I think I I I was wondering that too, and I did look, and I think she still has a header or two. Okay. Um, although increasingly that identity is sort of being well, Littlefinger's doing his best to subsume it, but um. That's a good point, though, because I think this chapter is very much about her identity comes in over and over again. Mm -hmm. Um, So basically, Sansa's um, been dreaming of home, actively dreaming of home. And um, uh, even though she's no longer actively being tortured by uh, Cersei and Joffrey, um, she's by no means safe and she certainly knows it. And um, I thought it was interesting, though, the first bit of it she's pretty aware of the political reality of her situation. Um, she knows that uh, some of the bannermen uh, for Lysa are really <laughs> very unhappy about Lysa's uh, new marriage to Littlefinger. Um, the Royces are described as being close to open revolt um, because Lysa didn't support Rob. There's all this stuff going on with the mountain clans. There's a, and I totally missed this uh, the first, second time I read it. It just, caught it today um, when I was rereading. 
there's like one of the houses and some guy, one Lord has died very suddenly. And the suspicions are that some of his, um, the hunters, right? Yeah. That his kids or his, his oldest kids are involved, which that's not good. And, um, she's in this castle, everyone except for her elderly maid. All she's got basically is sweet Robin. Who's, you know, got some issues. And then, you know, Aunt Lysa, Peter's away, but, you know, because no one can ever leave Sansa alone and everyone's always got to be molesting some young girls. There's, um, I never know how to say his name. Is it Marillion? Yeah. Yeah. Who's a singer that Lysa really likes and he's always around. He's always around everybody by the sounds of it. <laughs> yeah. It's funny like, when you, oh, go ahead. No, it sounds like he spreads his attentions widely. <laughs> I think and unwelcomely. Well, it's yeah. funny when we remember, you know, we remember Marillion from Cat's chapters, and basically everyone freaking hated him. <laughs> like everyone in that in that party up to the Eerie freaking hated him, and he's done a really good job of ingratiating himself to Liza. Well, it sounds like she's the only one who does like him, though. Right, exactly. but I mean, she pays the bills, so hey. It doesn't uh, work out for him, but you know, hey. Well, this is true. I thought it was interesting that there were, and I didn't really catch this on, on prior rereads, um, the Lords in the Vale who were upset with Liza for not um, backing Rob, which I thought, you know, at this point in the story, that seems to be maybe an attitude you wouldn't really share, even if you felt it, because, like, mm-hmm. by all accounts, that was probably, you know, in terms of their people, their people's best decision to stay out of it. You know, did they really want to be supporting Rob and, you know, I, I get the impression that there's a, oh, some of this is all intermixed. Like Lysa was like pretending, wasn't she, when Kat goes to stay with her, she's flirting with all these. Oh yeah. Right. So, I mean, first of all, she's cut them all out and I, you know, anyone who was planning on marrying her is, is out of luck and she's married this jumped up, you know, little twerp. Um, <laughs> accurate yeah the best description and i mean there's probably people going we should have backed rob i mean there's probably a lot of that going on too i just feel like there'd be more people who would be like thank god we didn't back rob (laughs) well and the other thing is is i don't know how much news every i mean i they know but i mean do they know know what's going on you know i don't know anyhow um it's gonna be the first half of this chapter is so beautiful I, there's so much in here that I, I, I kept picking passages to read. And then I'm like, wait, this podcast is going to be like three hours long. So I'm not going to do that. It was the same way when the A Song of Ice and Fire tweet through did it. It was just, you couldn't really retweet every, you know, it was like, can I retweet every single sentence and just, you know, add, yeah. this is great. You know, it was just like, it's not one or two great lines. It's paragraph it's just, after paragraph after the paragraph. The first half of this is just, it this was, is like, I knew, I knew they would keep this in the show. Even yeah. when they failed me every other way, I knew this would make it in the show. I really feel um, like George went out of his way to kind of create like a, it was like more like a feeling um, with the descriptions. Like a, he was trying to capture like a sweetness that I think anybody could, kind of um, identify with yeah like you you think of a certain place and time and I think that's key it's not just about going home but a certain moment in time in your home 
And well, I, and it's kind of a eulogy to the Starks, too, in a way. Yeah. You know, yeah, we know that they're yeah. not dead, but this is, you know, it's almost like the author's way of saying goodbye to that, you know, kind of that family and that, that place that he created in the first couple of chapters. Well, in childhood. Oh, yeah. and it's perfect. And her innocence. Yeah. And it's perfect I mean, for setting up this, um, that sentiment for Sansa, right? It's like just pulling yeah. on all those heartstrings, which puts it in stark contrast with what, you know, Peter does. Well, I think it's interesting. Well, I'll get there, I guess. But um, I, I thought it was interesting. Like she she remembers the last day that she left Winterfall and she remembers um, Rob with the melting snowflakes <sighs> in his hair. And I've been listening to... Um, not a podcast. And John remembers saying goodbye right. to, to Rob. And again, the melting snowflakes. I don't know if this is just Rob's thing or if he just. <laughs> like Rob, what a hat. <laughs> <laughs> but um, she, she, she was so, and she remembers being so anxious to leave. And um, she has this memory. I thought my singing or my song was beginning that day, but it was almost done. Oh, and yes. It would just. Goodbye yeah. to childhood. Sort of um, like the opposite of going off to college, you know, like, <laughs> like I've never felt that way about, about my hometown. Sorry, Sansa. Well, you know, sort of like middle school, <laughs> that's where it all was, that, you know, yeah. know. But, um, she, I am going to read this a little bit. Um, actually, there, I'm not, I'm, there is more coming. There's a couple passages. I just had to read this, though. Um, she, it's snowing. And she gets up and goes down to the garden door. And when she opens it, um, the passage goes, it was so lovely that she held her breath, unwilling to disturb such perfect beauty. The snow drifted down and down, all in ghostly silence, and lay thick and unbroken on the ground. All color had fled the world outside. It was a place of whites and blacks and grays. White towers and white snow and white statues, black shadows and black trees, the dark gray above, dark, I'm sorry, the dark gray sky above. A pure world, Sansa thought. I do not belong here. Why do you think she thinks that, you know, that she doesn't belong there in a pure world? Like what, you know, why would, why would Sansa think that? I mean, she feels like she's not a child anymore. That's that's why I felt this whole scene was really about somebody else said it, loss of innocence or goodbye to innocence. Uh, um, well, I know, like she's been subject to a whole lot of like mental and emotional abuse, and that's the kind of thing that's going to set up a lot of irrational self hatred. Yeah. Um, I mean, irrational is a, a harsh way to say it, but like you just you know oh. kind of you've been tricked into thinking of yourself as as low or whatever, especially where Peter's concerned. Like he's, um. Actively grooming like to, yeah, like and and to jump ahead a little bit into where he comes in and quote unquote helps her with the uh, castle is like that's kind of a one of the tools in the playbook is to come in and help and be helpful and like kind of groom that sense of dependency. Um, so he's you know he's definitely a, a by the book uh, manipulator and abuser in that sense, and then also to feed that sense of self-loathing so that she is again all the more dependent on him yeah so the that she feels unworthy in that way is uh, evidence that that's working 
Well, and she's had, I mean, even you can keep telling, like, she probably, like, she had Joffrey and, you know, beating her in front of people, you know, blaming her for his problems. She's had Cersei, all that over and over again. There's that, you know, I wonder if she feels, you know, I can't remember if she feels guilty for going to Cersei. I mean, you know, her, her attempt to save her father failed, you know, all that stuff. I, there's got to be so much guilt going on undeserved because she is a little girl <laughs> it, i mean it, she should right. or is it Which, just you know from her you know from what sansa thinks i mean she has every reason to believe that all of her siblings save john are dead well and i that, mean and you know she should you know she has the survivor's guilt i mean oh, she's witnessed murder she's wit- witnessed um peter killing dantos all that stuff i mean well, and the beheading of her own father. Exactly. So, um, and I kind of, I, I, there are bits of this that I remember so vividly, and then there were bits, I don't know if this has been the case for other people in these rereads, but she starts, basically, she starts to make snowballs, and then because there's, you know, sadly, no one to throw them at, she starts getting the idea of building Winterfell. And she's there for quite a while, you know, and she's wet and she's cold, but she won't stop. And she senses people coming and going, including Lysa, but she just keeps building. And then, um, as Rachel points out, Peter comes up um, and, you know, decides to be, uh, quote unquote, helpful. Um, and there's this bit that I thought was really interesting um, just before he goes and, you know, has to make his move. Um, she drops snow down his collar and he tells her that's not very chivalrous. And then she points out he wasn't either when yeah. he lied about taking her home. Yeah. And that then a little bit this, of uh, sass or you well, know, rebellion. There's this little bit here. She wondered where this courage had come from to speak to him. So frankly, from Winterfell, she thought I am stronger within the walls of Winterfell. Did anyone get like a big Gone with the Wind um, throwback there? <laughs> no, well, but that's it, really good. It gave me chills. Uh, I just loved it. I thought that was an interesting point too when Peter's helping her and he, you know, was kind of talking about how, you know, how he thought of Cat in that frozen castle and, and Sansa's like, yeah, nope, uh, we, you know, pumping that hot water through the walls, super warm. <laughs> you know, like it just kind of kind of giving a little color to kind of Peter's delusions too, yeah, you know, the like kibosh, no. the kibosh yeah. on his cold and dark place where his Catelyn was dragged to. No, it was pretty good. Um, and then he goes and kisses her on the mouth because, you know, it's totally appropriate for a middle-aged man to do that with a 13 year old. I hate him so much. Who also is supposed him, to be her him, father. Him. <laughs> um, and she's trying to get him to stop when Robin comes in um, and he decides he's going to ruin the snow castle and Sansa grabs a doll he's using to destroy it. And then I kind of love this. She rips the head off the doll or rips it in two. And then, of course, um, Robin basically has a tantrum, which seg- segues into a seizure. And um, Sansa has the realization again that she's going to have to marry this kid. So she takes the remains of the doll and destroys what's left of the snow castle, which I don't know. 
You know what I really liked here is that the maester comes running and says, oh, we must get the leeches. And Robin is saying, no, no leeches. And I thought, you know what? I wish I could threaten my kids every time they <laughs> end. Andrew, I'm getting the leeches for you. <laughs> I mean, who says you can't? Ah, well, yeah, that's true. You can threaten them. <laughs> Child Protective <laughs> Services, maybe. It's <laughs> also that moment where your kid goes, you don't have any leeches in that. Right. I'm not saying leech your do? kids. I'm just saying, you know. <laughs> But you would think the kid would behave himself a little better if he knew the maester was going to get leeches on him if he threw a fit. Well, I think, though, the problem is is that Robin has so many <laughs> problems. But, um, yeah, I don't know. doesn't have a lot of – I mean, he is a little <clears throat> kid, and it's almost, you know – if he was just Sansa's little brother and he came in and he was – and he, you know, after up her snow castle, I mean, that, you know – that is what little brothers do. It's just this like extra layer of that, you know, he has all these problems and she's going to have to marry him. And it's not her brother. It's this like kind of awful little child. (laughs) And And the thought she has is kind of awesome because it's just, you can just sense the sarcasm and she's like, my Lord husband, which thinks (laughs) it's like, Oh man. I wonder why she's fantasizing about the hound at this point. Like, <laughs> just like, I, I, but before we go on to the second less um, winter sparkly part of the chapter, I thought <laughs> it's kind of interesting because the Stark kids, um, particularly in uh, Feast and Dance, I mean, they are all struggling with issues of identity and various people and, you know, places are forces that are trying to get them to relinquish it and i i kind of think if we ever do get winds or a dream of spring and i know i'm dreaming there but i i think the signs in the sample chapters are all basically that no the stark children have their identity in them and they are going to fight and i kind of wonder if sansa's like there are bits here i mean where she's like yes i am winterfell winterfell is home you know this is who i am i don't know well it's it's, you know it's weird when you think of sansa's last chapter in in feast where you know the whole plot the whole idea of the plot where you know they're going to reveal that she's sansa and she's going to have this like metamorphosis back into sansa but then when you see the sample chapter in Winds, um, she's very different. And it's almost as if, you know, she's kind of created Elaine as a, as a different person. And, you know, it, it's not really a negative or, or a positive. I mean, part it's of it a coping is... coping mechanism. Yeah, and I mean, Sansa's also really young, and she's going to grow, and she's going to find a personality. But it's just almost a whiplash of that's really her personality. Like she's really kind of flirtatious. She's a little, you know, she's just a little more alive and a little more, um, saucy, if you will, than the Sansa. There we know. seems to be a reason that she would be. Yeah. Like it, it fits like that chat. And that'd be a one chapter that I'd be really shocked if it ended in, if it, was exactly the same in the final version of the book, because I think that's a chapter that's clearly written with a five-year gap, frankly. And it doesn't fit the person that we see. I think it's it's almost like the mercy chapter, though. I think there are bits in there, like when you really read it closely, where you're like, it's almost like these kids have taken on these personas, but they're not them. And they, they're, it's a mask that they, 
they at some point maybe hopefully can rip off. I don't know. I hope. Because, yeah, she's totally different in that chapter. Okay, are we ready to go to the darker part of the Winter Wonderland? <laughs> no, let's stay in the Winter Wonderland. <laughs> and, and I'd like to point out our room. We, we name our channels when we go in to do the recording, and Guile has chosen murder in a Winter Wonderland as our, Seems our theme. Seems like a catchy tune. <laughs> it's perfect. That, that should be the show title. <laughs> Um, so, um, Lysa, uh, she gets summoned to go see Lysa by, um, Marillion and, you know, Sansa actually wouldn't mind being banished if she could go stay with the Royces who seem like they're pretty cool. Um, because, you know, she really hates it here and she's got Marillion who basically, from what I can tell, spends his downtime harassing, um, all the women who can't fight back, which includes Sansa. Um, so she gets escorted to the, the, whatever the, the main chamber is with the moon door where Lysa is, you know, ensconced on the throne and she's furious. And Sansa, I love that Sansa at first thinks this is all about Robin and, you know, the stuff with the doll, but no, it's not. And she's got Lysa blaming her. Um, for having led Peter on because, you know, what would Peter want with a little girl? It's like, oh my God, they're so, pisses me off so much. <laughs> and, um, and then this is also, poor Sansa seems to be destined to be, I don't know, people seem to like want to take out their frustrations about their teenage years on her. Um, because Lysa isn't just upset about Peter, um, Kissing her, Lysa's upset about what she thinks Catelyn had been up to with Peter. It's called jealousy. <laughs> it's, it's called a lot of craziness. As well. It's just like, it's, it's the whole thing, the whole exchange, the whole her recounting cat. It's jealousy. Like, she's been eaten up with jealousy for her sister and she's projecting it on Sansa. Are there any, like, theories about, like, any, like, diagnoses of. Liza, because like that's she's like full tilt having an episode right there. Yeah, this oh, is not something. just jealousy. This is like there's something organically mentally wrong there. Well, yeah, like, there's think, some there's some chemicals where they should not be in her brain. Well, I think I, she's. I mean, I think she's suffering. You know, she suffered a terrible trauma when her father forced her to have an abortion of a child she really wanted, and then married her. You know, shame married her to a fifty-something man. And not, I think, you know, she's. I, I'm not arguing that. Yeah. I'm not. I think that definitely exacerbated the situation. But um, I she, think I'm going with like some sort of bipolar borderline stuff based on. And I'm not a doctor, nor do I play well, one on TV. Yeah, neither but, am I. And I've, that's why I'm not going to diagnose her. But I know jealousy when I see it. <laughs> Oh yeah, I mean I, for sure. I, I think mean, this I woman is like, just cuckoo for cocoa puffs, and that—that's it. That's technical as we, we. Well, I mean, but she's like, I mean, she has those episodes where she's almost manic, you know, the the turning on a dime, all that stuff. That's yeah. I mean, when you think about her wedding night and the way that she acted that wedding night, I mean, that seems very, you know, she was very up. Right, right. Yeah, like that does kind of lend itself to your diagnosis comma 
and but her... she's also going back and forth in time here and not just remembering back. Yeah. If she does confuse yeah, she seems them at to have one a... point, right? Uh, like like a genuinely not great hold on reality. Like she's about to call Sansa cat at some point, you know, like I feel like she's about to mix up names because she's um, there's the bit where Sansa's defending herself. And uh, let me find it. Let me find it. Uh, oh yeah. So um, Lysa's ranting and uh, she says, uncle Brendan carried him Peter up to bed before my father could find him like that. But you remember none of it. Do you, do you? And then Sansa's like, I wasn't born yet. Why would I remember that? And, and then Liza responds, you were not born, but I was. So don't presume to tell me what is true. Like she is not having a good time with, uh, keeping chronology straight yeah. which is more than just jealousy that's like a legitimate psychiatric problem yeah not i mean i'm not arguing i mean being forced to abort a child you wanted being married off to some elderly man seeing the guy you loved you know kick all of that and not saying she didn't have it rough and that it wasn't traumatic i'm saying i think there are probably problem there were probably problems there that go I mean, way she deeper. Did, yeah, that she was probably those things can go together. It can be both. Yeah. Right. I mean, she raped Peter. You know, no two ways about it. Yeah. And oh, I, again, the fact that she doesn't know who's, I mean, like, she's not, she doesn't have a, she doesn't have a grip on what's going on. I don't know. And, well, uh, and people oh. that are born with chemical imbalances, whether, whatever kind of chemical imbalance she has, and again, we're not trying to diagnose her, none of us are doctors, but she she could have had that, and yeah, she's had all this trauma and all this other stuff that came onto it, but she could have been born that way and predestined, pre-set up to react that way. Well, or, or like... Do you think that's what Martin I mean, was going for, though? Because I don't. It seems really contrived, like that was her breaking point. Well, and I mean, you know, she has a lot to be jealous of Cat for. <laughs> you know, it's I, not like it's irrational. Like she's, I guess it's know, just like he's and he's. She's also I, the middle child with you know the adored <laughs> older sister and the longed for heir. I and it's, I had a relative who had serious, and, and they were diagnosed by actual doctors here. Serious, serious issues, and a lot of it just resonates Mm -hmm. um in a way particularly the the ability how did rachel you put it the she's not the the lack of hold about timeline and where you are and some of the accusations and confusing people all of that stuff and then the highs and the lows and it's i don't know if he meant it or not, but it really kind of resonated. So, yeah, and I, I, I want, I want to clarify that, like, when I asked about, like, if anybody had any theories about a diagnosis, I didn't mean like, and therefore she is has no responsibility for almost tossing. A <laughs> no, 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 and no, the no, official no, no, no. diagnosis I mean, like, of just, close the door just, is like, <laughs> out of a curiosity if anybody had come across anything. Because yeah, like, I mean, it's just it's so like her symptoms are so like what would be symptoms feel very specific and research that I, f- I feel like they're, you know, either Martin knew somebody who had the, an illness and based it off them or was purposeful about, 
you know, he might have, I mean, he has made an effort, like a lot of some of the, the medicine and stuff. It's, I mean, like even like hell milk of the poppy, which is an opiate. I mean, that kind of stuff, like he's based some of that on like actual medicine. It's not like he made up total uh, everything out of whole cloth. So maybe he was, I don't know. I mean, and there is stuff about Robin that's kind of interesting too, from a medical standpoint, but um, anyhow, like, Oh, go ahead. Uh, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, I just kind of feel like Lysa gets a bit of a bad, I mean, I don't want to say a bad rap. I'm not sure the right way to put this, but I feel like you have sympathy. There's not a lot of like there's a lot of not a lot of sympathy for her in the fandom. And a lot of it, I think, is because she is the, you know, crazy middle aged lady. And, you know, there are even you even read like sympathy for, you know, the mountain because he has terrible headaches or, oh, Cersei, you know, misogyny headaches. Well, and, you know, oh, Cersei, you know, oh, she, you know, the exact same things that every other woman in society has to do with, she had to deal with. She should go fucking murder everyone. And, you know, and, and that's, you know, somehow she gains that's more acceptable, but she's the unattractive, a beautiful lady. woman. Yeah. Right, right. But, you know, Liza, we kind of dismiss her as, like, the equivalent of, you know, the crazy cat lady, I feel like. And Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> And I, I just, you know, as a crazy cat lady. (laughs) Well, I mean, I do have, I mean, and it's when I was doing the reread for this, and I think this is, well, other than one line, this is the last passage I kind of wanted to read out. Um, Because basically, as we've uh, alluded to, um, Lysa is... She's basically accusing Sansa of everything and she's come down from the throne and is like physically dragging Sansa to the moon door. And then she's ordered Marillion to play, I guess, to cover the noise. And um, Peter comes in and is trying to get her to like let go of Sansa and he's promising her all kinds of stuff. And this, there's this passage and this kind of actually <laughs> as scary as this whole part of the chapter is this kind of did tug at my heartstrings a little bit. Also, although this is, we also get some exposition here. So this is Lysa and she goes, tears, tears, tears. She sobbed hysterically. No need for tears, but that's not what you said in King's Landing. You told me to put the tears in John's wine. And I did for Robert and for us. And I wrote Catelyn and told her that the Lannisters had killed my Lord husband. Just as you said, that was so clever. You are always clever. I told father that. I said, Peter's so clever. He'll rise high. He will. He will. And he's sweet and gentle. And I have his little baby in my belly. I think I skipped over a few things, but then it goes on. Why did you kiss her? Why? We're here together now. We're here together after so long, so very long. Why would you want to kiss her? And ignoring the part about how she committed murder and, you know, betrayed her sister and all of that. um, It does. I mean, she is so traumatized by what happened in the past she's so stuck in there she can't get out and that just kind of well and i mean i'm sure that peter spent significant time in king's landing you know feeding on that oh if only we could be you know like Mm -hmm. not letting her forget or move on forget or adjust yeah programming her yeah and then we know she had a bunch of miscarriages and you know it's just 
as despicable as what she does to Sansa, like it's really hard for me to not feel a ton of sympathy for her because of, you know, what she's gone through. And, you know, she's not the, not the first nor the last person to be utterly manipulated by, by little finger. Well, and just the one who is probably the worst, how upset, how damaged she was by, you know, being forced to, um, have the abortion, well, whatever they gave her, the... Right, and I mean, it's OG. interesting when we think back to Kat's chapters, I mean, frankly, Hoster himself was is traumatized. Is traumatized. Like, what a, you know, this, I mean, this is the moment that ruined, that destroyed, you know, their family, basically. Emily, yeah. Destroyed everything. So, um, in true Littlefinger fashion, he promises he will never leave her side again for as long as they both shall live. Did you catch that? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) And tells her that he's only ever loved one woman. And just before he throws her out the moon door, he says, only cat. Peak villain right there. That's peak villain move. So dramatic. (laughs) And then the guards come in and Peter like points to Marillion and accuses him of having killed Lysa. It's a great last line. The singers killed my wife. Well, and you know, this is the book I literally threw across the room, like, twice. I threw it across with um, The Red Wedding and then with Tywin. And it just, and I was looking at, like, when I was looking at the structure, I'm like, so then it ends at this note, right? With the whole, like, the snow castle, the moment, you know, Martin gives us that little moment before we go back into, like, drama. And then we have the epilogue with the Stoneheart reveal. I mean, the last, like, several, like, you know, there's, there's all of the, the, uh, Night's Watch election chapters, but, I mean, boy, there's a roller coaster at the end of Storm <laughs> Swords between, you know, Tywin and Tyrion and this chapter <coughs> and, and Bob the Epilogue, and, and, and all this stuff. Yeah. It's, it's really, you know, it's, it is, you know, it is kind of crazy and it is that this first half of this chapter is just, you know, it's, uh, it's like the one of the only points of melancholy and you know in the whole book it seems like maybe in the whole like if you think of if you really think of the first three books as a trilogy or you know the the opening trilogy of the series then that's like the the bookend to some of those first chapters in in Winterfell. Yeah. Anyone else feel like the whole singer Lysa moon door thing was a bit rehearsed? Like they've done this before. <laughs> oh, kind of like, um, well, I mean, except, you know, we see it with Jamie and, uh, Tom of seven, Tom of sevens, you know, like, Oh, play him Lords of Castamere or, you know, um, Oh, so singers are just on cue ready to, okay, going to do well, some murdering. I got your murder yeah. song. Well, like butter doesn't butterball. <laughs> Is it butterballs that sing? Butter- Butter beans. I can't remember. Yeah, the bear and the maiden fair when the Tyrells are trying to. Uh, yes. There's that whole info. scene where they're trying to talk to Sansa and they have him playing louder and louder yeah. so they can do this unobserved. Uh, again, then so, I guess, that's just like a thing. Like, you know, you want to raid the Castamere too at that wedding. So yeah, <laughs> you want to, you know, you want to do some shady shit in Westeros. You get a musician. You want to do some shady shit in the U.S. You know, you use your personal cell phone. Um, <laughs> to be very highly topical <laughs> remark. Like, sorry. Too topical because I don't really know what you're referencing right now, but it's I okay. Don't either. 
our, our president has apparently um, started using his personal potentially unsecured cell phone because he does not want his own chief of staff to know who he is talking Lock to. Lock him up. Lock what? him up. Oh, oh my I'm God. I'm down with that. Oh my God. The hypocrisy. I really, I, I never thought I would say this, but I, I actually do not want the PP tape to come out because I, I don't want to see that. Cause I do. I know I'll watch it and then I'll never be able to take my it. money. That- <laughs> I'll pay. <laughs> I want the late night show hosts to watch it for me. That's what I want. <laughs> <laughs> I'm golden showers to my mother, guys. Okay, I don't need this. Oh, so okay, who is Snooksir in the Westeros universe <laughs> to tie it in? I mean, I was thinking, oh, is Peter a fixer? But no, he's like a breaker. <laughs> oh, you mean who do you call? Who's your Eddie Mannix? Who's the guy you call? Yeah. Varys. Oh, I think Varys probably. Oh, yeah, Varys. Yeah. You're right. You know, okay, quick. You need some horrors. We'll get a dead guy. It'll, it'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's a fairly common request, you know. Uh, some horrors and a dead guy. Like, sure. <laughs> sort of like, you know. Typical Friday oh, night. <laughs> <laughs> a movie, some crab rangoon, you know. <laughs> Ooh, crab rangoon. Now I'm hungry. Thanks. <laughs> I think we're officially off the rails. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So bringing it back to the chapter, I don't know if anyone has any last thoughts. Peter's a creep. Just a total creep. No argument there. When you, you know, when Fine. you guys read this chapter, I mean, I think like we all kind of, I mean, this is obviously when there, whenever anyone does lists of the best chapters in the series, this one is always one that rises up near the top. And, you know, when you read it again, you know, did it, you know, were your expectations of it fulfilled or how, you know, how did coming back to the chapter feel? I think I appreciated the evocative um, description of the, the chapter and it was perfect for kind of playing with your emotions. He did it well. It's really the perfect chapter when you look at it for the setup and then the payoff. I feel like it reminds me, and I, you know, this is what makes me hopeful and also makes me sad, is that it reminds me of a lot of the better chapters in dance and the best the sample chapters that we've seen in Winds, where there's like a soul yeah. to the writing, and it's not yeah. as much hard. as I appreciate the guy standing at a desk and everyone comes to see him chapters, which honestly <laughs> those are great. Like I'm down with recapping those; they're super easy to recap, and I love it. <laughs> But um, this is a different. There's heart to it. Yeah, yeah. There's and a real there's heart. Pathos, yeah. and there's it's unlike the Tyrion chapters, which I was under the delusion that I liked, um, and have just come <laughs> to dread and loathe having to reread. Um, this, uh, I actually found more in here than I remembered. Um, and I think having now had the perspective of what Sansa goes through. In the other uh, books, um, I don't know. It really hit home with me. I think, if anything, I got I, I was I felt sorrier for Lysa than I expected to. Yeah, Lysa is definitely a character that you like as she kind of ferments in your brain. <laughs> she just gets more and more tragic, and you're just like, "Oh, honey, oh, honey, no!" Like, I like you just want to like you just want to 
take her and yeah. put her in put her in some therapy and just like talk talk to people just talk you know i feel sorry for listen. is uh, sweet robin this chapter made me really feel for him i don't know that sounds weird but i just think of this like oh, I- I mean, why would he he's feel just, sympathetic? He's just a little kid that has no a, one that gives a shit about him. And the one person who does just got pushed out of a fucking hole mm-hmm. in a mountain. Right. And <laughs> I mean, so Sansa cares about him. And, you know, we might find that, you know, the blackfish might care about him, but they don't care about him. They care about, you know, the... It's There's a difference, though, between caring and loving. You right, know? Yeah. right. Yeah. Like I think Lysa loves him, but I don't think Lysa is capable of really being what he needs. And I think we've talked about, or I know I've talked about this maybe in my head. I don't know, <laughs> in my head, but um, maybe in other podcast episodes, it probably sounds better. I don't know how much you know how much better it could have been for him in, in the long run because I think like those seizures are again organic. I don't think that gets better. I um, think he needs Western more medicine. No, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I mean, I do feel sorry because I mean, nobody really wants him. The servants don't particularly care for him. You know, it's it's like he's being used in a way, and he just <sighs> he's, he's a, a little kid ass, who didn't understand that his beautiful cousin, you know, was having a moment and. <laughs> He decided he was going to play and, you know, be a brat, but still, you know, I can't, I can't be mad at him for that. I mean, he's a little kid. Right. And I think, you know, even, you know, to, I know we've not even talked about it, but, you know, in the show, I think the actor that they have as Robin is frankly, I think he's one of my favorites because he's (laughs) kind of, he's annoying, but. He is just, you know, he's a kid that's kind of like a hapless kid, and it's not his fault, and there's nothing wrong with, there's nothing wrong with the fact that he's got some, you know, like, shit, everyone has issues. He just has different issues. (laughs) If Liza was your mother, you'd have issues. Right. (laughs) Right. And I think Liza has raised him to be an extension of herself or to be an object that she has used Almost like a like a teddy bear or a security yeah. blanket, and For that's sure. why she's continued to nurse him, and that's why she's continued to play into all of his all of his little. You know, she she's made him to be a lot of what he is. Yeah, he's probably you know epileptic or so there's, there's something going on with the seizures, but she is feeding on to all of that. Oh my poor baby! Oh, I must it's breastfeed right. him now. You know, it's right? There's probably- no sense of how do we how do we let how do we get Robin to be able to deal with, you know, the Stuff. physical, the physical things that are happening to him and, you know, live his best life. But I mean, you know, to be fair, literally no one in Westeros is thinking those words. How do I live yeah. my best life? I think it's if, like Lysa. I don't have the own channel in Westeros. <laughs> <laughs> I'd argue that Lysa is spoiling him because maybe she wanted to be spoiled and, you know, yeah. she's loving him. And letting him do whatever because it's kind of like what she wanted. And I don't think there's any malice in what she's doing with her kid. It's just she does, she has so many problems that it's going so horribly wrong. So, um, okay. Do we have any mail? Uh, we do not have any mail. You people are Two slacking. Two weeks in a row. Oh, no. Shame. Shame. 
I know. Like, you, you people sent us mail about the freaking Tyrion chapters, and now we're doing some of the most famous chapters in the books, and nothing. Come uh, on. We have had a little chatter, I will say, on Twitter about um, why the fandom thinks that Heil Hunt should be played, or, you know, should be, they imagine Heil Hunt as someone hot. What? <laughs> No. That seems to be a controversy. Is it like one of the like descriptive words is his plain face right, and common people, face? When people fan cast, they fan cast hot people, but it's sort of like, well, I mean, that's the movie thing. Actors, right? I mean, it's like most of these movies and TV shows, the unattractive, quote unquote, unattractive people are usually very attractive. You know, right. they give them a, a crappy haircut yeah. or a bad wardrobe, but really it's like we're supposed to believe that this gorgeous person is like having, you know, yeah. Yeah. So so I, 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 I don't just, begrudge that. Yeah. I just think there's just not a lot of plain actors basically. Okay. Kyle's not like attractive because he's good looking. He's attractive because he's a funny. He's funny. He's funny and he's a dick. That's why. So, so stop us from abusing you. Us, uh, stop what? us from abusing you and send us some mail. Um, <laughs> but it hurts so good. <laughs> uh, you can do that by emailing us at close the door and uh, at gmail.com or you can send us a message on Tumblr at close the door and come here dot Tumblr dot com or uh, tweet us at door podcast on Twitter. Um, please rate and review us on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, Google Play, and all the places, even though we just abused you for not sending us mail. <laughs> um, please consider uh, supporting this podcast on Patreon. We love our Patreons, and you will get special benefits, or benefits like special episodes and exclusive early new access. Um, I don't know, I messed that all up. But anyhow, I'd like to thank our panel, and thank you for listening. I'm closing the door. Get out.